Good morning, good morning, good morning. Peace and blessings to everyone. I trust this day finds you well and in the grace of God. We're excited today to be with you. We're excited, amen, about the word, the will, and the plan of the Lord. We're so excited that he has bid our golden moments to roll on a little while longer and an opportunity to dial with love with you. We're just glad about let me first say, we thank God for the man and woman who stand on the wall, our pastors, Dr. Bishop James F. Harris and Lady Sylvia Harris. Amen. We praise God for them who are shining examples of light for the people of God. Let's keep them in our prayers. They are wonderful people of God. And we bless God for you for choosing this opportunity to share with us in the word of the Lord. Come on, we're going to pray before we go into the word of God. Father, we thank you for this opportunity and this time to bless your name, God, as we share in your word. God, to give the people what you have given us, God. Meet each and every need. Have your way. Break every yoke, every shackle, and every chain, and you be glorified. Let us decrease that you may increase in the name of Jesus. Change us, challenge us, and charge us that you may be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going to go into Joshua chapter six, a very familiar text. Amen. But we're going to look at it a little differently today. And we're going to talk about the preparation, the promise and the presence of God. I'm so excited. I'll be reading from the Living Bible Translation. Have your Bibles. Come on and go with me as we journey in the word of the Lord. Amen. In chapter six, verse one, it reads as follows. It says the gates of Jericho were kept tightly shut because they were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, Jericho and its king and all of its mighty warriors are already defeated. For I have given them to you. Your entire army is to walk around the city once a day for six days, followed by the seven priests walking ahead of the ark, even carrying the trump made from the ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to walk around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Then when they give one long, loud blast, all the people are to give a mighty shout and the walls of the city will fall down. Then move upon the city and from every direction. So Joshua summoned the priests, gave them their instructions and armed the men who would lead the procession followed by the seven priests blowing continually on their trumpets and behind them would come the priest carrying the ark followed by the rear guard. Let there be complete silence except for the trumpets, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. The ark was carried around the city once that day. After everyone returned to the camp again and spent the night there. At dawn the next morning, they went around again and returned again to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. At dawn on the seventh day, 
They started out yet again. But this time, they went around the city not once, but seven times. The seventh time, as the priest blew a long, loud trumpet blast, Joshua yelled to the people, shout, for the Lord has given us the city. This shows here the deliverance we have the children of Israel again today in this text, in this lesson. Amen. And it mirrors how they have come to this point because God is bringing them to their promised land. Amen. And in our Christian life, amen, we are brought out of sin so that we might enjoy abundant life in Christ. This is a type Christ never intends for his people to stay in a wilderness permanent situation. Even as an entire generation of Israel died in the wilderness because of unbelief, so many Christians die in desert dry places of spiritual experiences, never experiencing walking in the fullness of God. What God was about to give the children of Israel was land ownership. Land ownership in any society is the substratum of that society. It is the infrastructure, the arrangement of parts that give something a basic form. It's a cornerstone. It is that immaterial thing which everything else rests on. It is the stay. It is that thing that continues in place for a long amount of time when you can bank on nothing else, you can bank on this. So let me put it in terms like this. When you own land, it's better than money in the bank. When you own land, you have bargaining power. It gives you position. When you own land, the bank sees you as collateral. You are no longer viewed as a liability. You're a mover and a shaker. And you're about to see in the text, this is the beginning of the fulfillment that God promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. Incidentally, as we look at the name Joshua, we see that Joshua in the Greek transfers in the Hebrew there. His name and Jesus name is identical. And this is exciting because it says that Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is deliverance. And whatever Israel received, amen, in the wilderness, and they processed it at this point, they received it at the hand of Joshua. And whatever we receive from God now, we receive it from Jesus, who is our Joshua, who is our deliverer, who is our way maker, which brings me to my first point. Joshua arrives on scene. He is not a novice. He's not a new kid on the block. Joshua was born in Lower Egypt, which is called Goshen. And in his 20s, he's there for the exodus out of Egypt land. He's a part of a group that goes through the 40 years in the wilderness. And he sees many things as a Moses minister. At 60, he is the spy who comes back with the good report. Amen. And after being Moses' minister, he is now commissioned to lead this people. And walking with God is a process. Amen. God does amazing and wonderful things for those who trust him and walk with him. 
Joshua did not get here on his own. There were a series of steps and things that got him to the point where he becomes the next in leadership. I want to say here, the preparation is the fertilization ground for opportunity. It opens your capacity for the new and to be able to receive. You cannot expect to receive without preparation. And that's in anything in life. Preparation, again, opens your capacity to receive the new. And I guarantee you, Joshua had no idea that he was going to be next. I guarantee you, Joshua had no idea how things would change and his role would be put where it was. This is what I have a question for you about. With everything that's going on in the world, with everything that we've seen over the past 90 to 120 days, what is God preparing you for in the future? Ask yourself that question. Where is it that God is desiring to take me? How is he about to use me to transform the lives of the people in which I come in contact with? You know, God is awesome in what he does and everything that we encounter in our life has purpose. It has purpose. Let me say it one more time. It has purpose. I dare you to ask God to help you put the pieces together and I guarantee you that he will show you where he's taking you and his purpose for your life. Joshua, I still believe, had no idea it was going to turn for him the way that it did. And when you ask God to help you to understand what it is he is preparing you to do, who it is he is preparing you to reach, he will help you put the pieces together. Now, let me give you an FYI. God is huge on concept, but short on detail. Case in point. Oftentimes, if we knew everything that is involved in getting from point A to B or the things that we may have to encounter as we go through from the offset, we will say, I'm not doing that. That's not me. I'm tapping out. But God has purpose for where he's about to lead you. He will give you enough to grow on and enough to move forward. The key word in the book of Joshua is possession. Possession means to have at one disposal. He was giving them land for possession. He was giving them control so that they can have enjoyment and ownership, proprietorship. God had given the children of Israel the land in an unconditional covenant. He said to Abraham in Genesis 17 and 8, to Abraham, he said, and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou goest a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting inheritance, a possession, I will bring you there and I will be their God. However, Israel's possession of the land was conditional. Anything in life, let the church say anything in life, is worth fighting for. You cannot conquer by osmosis. My brother and my sister, you have to fight. There was conflict and conquest. They had to fight to lay hold to the possession of the promise that belonged to them. This leads me to my second point. After Moses died, Joshua becomes the leader. 
The pressure of this new responsibility was great. And he was getting ready to lead over 2 million people into a foreign land and conquer a land as their own. Joshua easily could have been afraid. He could have been dismayed. He could have been discouraged. But in the text, I love it, this part right here. The text speaks to us and said, the Lord said to Joshua, Jericho and its king and its mighty men, its warriors are already defeated. For I have given them to you. Neighbor, God has already given you what is sitting before you looking like an obstacle. In verse two, it says, but the Lord promised that he would be with him. This is an important part in our text today, brothers and sisters, the promise of God being with you. Let us park here for a moment. Let us explore what a promise is. A promise is to make the solemn declaration of intent to show a sign of a favorable or a successful outcome. It is to forecast a declaration of something that will happen in the future. That makes me excited. That makes me ecstatic. It is a favorable or successful outcome of a forecast of the declaration for the future that something will happen. The promise of God is sure than the air you breathe. It is more stable than the ground you stand on. The promise of God is the promise of God is better than money in the bank. The promise of God trumps every lie, every devil, every witch, every warlock. The promise of God trumps all of that. Let's explore three promises of God. The Bible declares, "Do not be afraid because I am with you." So don't worry because I am with you. I will make you strong. I will help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. And that right hand is the powerful hand. The Bible also declares in God's word translation, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid of them. For the Lord, your God is the one who is going with you. He won't abandon you or he won't leave you. My third one, that third promise here is uh, in the New Living Translation. It says when you go through and when I looked at this and you know, I've seen this so many times in my Christian career and heard it preached a million and nine times, I believe. But it says when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned and the flames will not consume you. Now, the operative thing in this particular text that I kept seeing is when you go, when you go through, when you go through, which is a declarative statement that says you're going to go through. My neighbor, you might feel the heat, but it will not consume you. When you approach deep waters, plus a river of difficulty, you will not be drowned. It seems like a series of things are happening in this text right here. And, you know, as I was looking at the text, I said, okay, wait a minute, God, I got a question. I said, God, why do we have to go through the fire first? Why can't we go through the fire, then the water and get refreshed and then it's all over with? And the Lord let me see as I was looking at this text, he helped me to understand two things. 
The first thing that he helped me to understand in the scenario is, is, is that we are to live and stand in his promise. And the promise is that when you're going through, I'm going to be with you. The second thing he helped me to understand and to know that God is in control of the narrative in life. So what my role is to understand and to know is that I am to just go through and I am to stand on his promises and let him run the show as he see fit. You know, it's almost like when you're in the movie and you're trying to guess the plot and the theme, it's already been written, but you're trying to tell the movie while you're sitting there watching the movie. And nine times out of 10, the very person or the way that you think that it will run out or work out, it flips all together and you are surprised in the middle and in the end. God is the same way because he's writing. Amen. The story. Matter of fact, the story has already been written. And from what they tell me, when you make a movie, you cannot just do a straight line. The movie has to have hills and valleys, peaks and lows. It has to have curves. It has to have all of that in order to make a successful movie. And it's the same thing with the movie in your life. I want you to know and understand today, people of God, no matter how shut up any situation looks, there is a declarative word already spoken over your life that forecasts success. Let the church say amen. I feel excited. Joshua, with a submitted heart and a submitted mind to hear and obey the instructions of the Lord, goes forth. And I want to say here that you cannot conquer you cannot conquer anything until you hear and you understand the plan of battle. It is a necessity to find a place where you can hear the voice of God speaking to you if you have to accomplish anything for God. God gives him strategy and it takes great faith for Joshua to go to the people and explain to them what they have to do to lay hold to their possession. He instruct the people of the plan of God. And that brings me to my third point. The presence of God is the game changer. It doesn't come automatically. And an awareness of the presence of God has to be practiced and cultivated. Why does God challenge us to sense him and to feel him? I believe that is because God really wants to know that you want him. God will not be found by someone who is merely interested or merely a browser. That the church said merely a browser. He will only be found by someone who sincerely wants him. The prophet Jeremiah puts it like this. It says, you will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with your whole heart, he will be found in you. If God is to be found and his presence is to be cultivated, it will take determination. It will take passion. It will take purpose. It will take energy and it must be on purpose. Now, the old folk used to say, uh, you have to hold your anointing dear. You have to hold it close to you. You have to value the anointing, which is the presence of God when it comes to get a job done. Therefore, you cannot let anything or anybody disrupt your connection and your anointing with God. Case in point, the difference between a believer and a secular artist who sings a song, 
The secular artists may have talent. The secular artists may have a gifting, but the believer has the anointing which ushers in the presence of God that breaks every yoke. And that's the difference between singing in style and gift and craft and musicality than singing with the anointing and the power of God that breaks a yoke and chains a life. The presence of God brings true joy and satisfaction. David lets us know your presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Your soul was made for God. Your mind was made for God. Your desires and your will and your bodies were created to be focused and centered on him. When God is the prize of your life, when he is the joy and the focus of your life. And I looked at the word, it says prize, to hold in value, to treasure and appreciate. You must appreciate the fact that God wants to have presence with you. He wants to come and be with you. He wants to talk. He wants to dialogue with you. In prayer, take your faith and have a conversation with God. Prayer is simply talking to God and it is a dialogue. It's not about having a list of things that I need you to do for me while I go to the next step. He's not Burger King and he's not 7-Eleven, but he wants to have a conversation that identifies and copies with a relationship with you. The presence of God brings deliverance from fear. Joshua could have easily been dismayed because let me put it in uh, 2020 terms. I have to lead these people. I once was serving among them. Now I have to lead them. I have to change positions. And you know, when there is a change in leadership, you know people. I don't know if he's not Moses. This is not the way we did it with Moses. All of that is going on. He's taking a nomadic people who have come out of slavery, who has come out of bondage, who's been in the wilderness for 40 years, and a lot of their parents have died, and this is a group now that has not had the bondage experience and lived through the wilderness experience, so he's dealing with a whole new group, and the superstar now is dead. All of that could have caused him to fear and not grab hold to the mantle, but because of the presence and the promise of God, he was able to take hold to the mantle and it banished the fear. The presence of God brings success. When you walk with God, he ensures that what you do will be blessed. He will open doors and provide ways that will cause things to work out on your behalf. How do we cultivate this presence? How do we make it happen? You create space. You create time. And you talk to God every day about everything and you allow him to talk back to you. Prayer is not a, a, a slew of words to fill time. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. And as you make time for God and you enjoy your time with God. Prayer is not a sentence, but it is an access. It's a segue to get where God is so that you can have his mind and so that he can forecast and foreshow you where you're about to walk. Glory to God, I feel Jesus. God was about to do something great 
and new and amazing and wonderful for his people as they were about to enter into this land of Canaan. Six days it took courage for Israel to march. They were wide open for the attack of the enemy. The people of Jericho could have easily attacked them because the wall is high. They're marching around it. Jericho is perched all the way around the wall, ready at any time to attack. Israel is helpless. The people of Jericho could have picked them off like picking birds off, sitting on a wire fence one at a time. And let me interject here that God could have collapsed the wall. God could have done this without any human intervention. But the thing I like about God is that he invites humanity to partake with him in the miraculous. And that's an exciting fact. God invites humanity to come in and participate. Six days, Israel had to persist in something that did not make sense. Six days, Israel was shown vulnerable and helpless. Six days of silence, seeing a wall that seemed impossible to conquer. They knew that this was larger than them. And I'm sure Israel felt foolish because they did not understand every detail, every line and every precept. Yet they chose to obey God's instructions. Often we think of the instructions of God, they do not make sense. But my friend and my brother, let me say to you, to you, we don't often understand the logic of God, but let's follow their lead. Let's follow Israel's lead and that they chose to obey one day and one step at a time. That's how you access, you obey. One day and one step at a time. Don't worry about the whole construct. Don't worry about all of the other details. One day and one step at a time. The Bible says on the seventh day, the people shouted. And when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened, when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout, Joshua yelled to the people, shout. For the Lord has given us the city and the walls fell down. Tell your neighbor the walls will come down. The miracle was beyond normal expectations. No other city had been ever conquered in this way. And let me say right here, where you are, what you're living, what you're dealing with, what you see, what is standing before you. I stand here today to tell you that God wants to bring you by a way that you don't, don't know nothing about. It will happen for you, beloved, the way it's never happened for somebody else before. God is about to do an original state in your life. Israel could not depend on their prior experiences and how they normally could handle things. All they had was the promise of God. And as I look at the text, the Holy Ghost began to download to me. And, and, and the thing that I saw was after a bondage, after a Red Sea, after slavery, after 40 years in a dry wilderness place, after death, after crossing the River Jordan and it is flowing, overflowing its banks at the most inopportune moment. Then we get to a wall city that is shut up, that we must conquer, that we must fight for, but we can't do it in the normal way. And we must be silent to obey God in the process. My question to you is, what does this teach us? It even appears that when you have experienced a series of unfortunate events, the Bible declares, 
it says, the God of all grace, 1 Peter 5 and 10, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, he will perfect you. He will establish you. He will strengthen you and he will settle you. Now, let us look at this for a moment. For a moment, let's look at this. And it says, the God of all grace who calls. Now, normally when you think about call, you hear, you think about hearing an audible voice. But in this text, when he says call, it means to calculate. And what that's saying to you, beloved, is God has already done the math on your behalf. He has already added it up, counted it in, and called it done. When it says called, it is to tell or describe beforehand. He has stood at the end and said, now start the movement. The next piece in this also is, I want you to understand, before you started walking in your little baby shoes, before you started walking in your stride right, he has already declared a word over your life. The next word in this text, it said suffer. Humanity, human nature already has an aversion to anything that is uncomfortable. But in this text, when it speaks to suffering, it says to come to the knowledge of something by living through it. And beloved, I want you to understand the key here is to live through. So many times we are stuck or stumble at the fact that it is coming in our direction and you want to say time out this is not me this this is not what I want this is not how I roll but God has purpose when life sends you the flip script God has purpose because what he is trying to get you to see is I need you to go through this valley so that you can get the understanding and the knowledge. And on the other side, you can say, I know God because I came through this. It becomes a revelation in the relationship that takes you to the next level. Oh, glory to God. In this text, the next word in the text, it says for a while. Normally, because we are people who live on habit, and if God would say you have five years, two days, and 37 seconds, there are those who can live through it because I can start counting down, and I know at the end of these seconds and days and months and years, this will happen. But God don't play that kind of game. God said, I'm going to just tell you for a while. But in this verse, for a while always means a short period. His short period may not be in the chronological time that you are used to, but in God's time, it's a short period. And somebody's time is about to run out and you're about to walk out of that thing that you're struggling with. The next thing that he says in this text is it says to perfect you. And in perfecting you, what God intends to do is to make you entirely without flaw or full, having no exceptions or restrictions. And I want you to understand, God is saying you will not be held back. This will bring you to a place where you will be flawless. You will be flawless. You will have no fault or restrictions. 
And that's why we need to understand the plan and the purpose of God, what he's intending to do. The scripture says, I have a plan and a purpose for your life to do you good, to give you hope and a future. You got to understand his plan is to do you well. The lie is he's trying to mess me up. You know, and so many saints have the mentality of Medea. I got to get for I get God. But when you believe God, Bishop taught us so many times a couple of years ago in Bible class. He said, when you trust God, when you walk with God, you cannot be taken advantage of. And beloved, I want you to understand this is why he comes to perfect you so that you'll be flawless and faultless. The next word in this text says to gain full recognition and acceptance to substantiate you. This is the purpose of God establishing you, meaning that you will not be on a shaky ground when he's done in your life. It means that your foundation will be firm. So what I want you to do is don't cry, don't stress, stop struggling and understand God is bringing me to a place of consistency and to a place where the ground that I stand on is not moving. But the part that I like is the next word that says he will strengthen you. And strength is defined as the ability to withstand force, stress without being distorted, dislodged or damaged. God comes to give you stability and see the plan of the enemy. When anything goes awry, if you have a victim mentality is to say, I'm trying to mess me up. He's trying to move me out of this place and cause me duress. But when God comes and strengthens you, it is the ability to withstand whatever the devil throws at you, meaning you get to a place of maturity and say, no, 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 no. I've been here before. No, 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 no. I've experienced this before. No, 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 no. The God I know, the God I serve, the God that I believe is all powerful and believe it, beloved. You got to believe him. All the way or not at all. You cannot be partial in your approach because in the face of any situation, in the face of any turmoil, in the face of whatever you feel, death, life, children, whatever the case is, you have to stand flat firm on the promise that God has made you because either he's God or he's not. The next thing that it says that gives me joy, it says that he comes to settle you. And that is to give you what is old. He going to settle up the scale. He going to balance it all out. He going to pay what you've been owed. And I want you to tell you that God's interest is supernatural and exponential. And it is colossal. He will give you what is old. He will clear out the balance. He will pay you off and he will recompense you for everything. That's something to shout about. Oh, my God. I love being on his payroll. Let me say this. Joshua, he leads them. They conquer. The word of the Lord is true. They take possession of the city. They save Rahab because she saved the spies. And at the end of his life, at the conclusion of his ministry, he speaks to Israel and he says this to them. He challenges them to worship the Lord, to obey him and always be faithful. 
And that's what I'm going to leave you with, beloved, is to worship the Lord. Even in the midst of your preparation, as you live in his presence and be faithful to God. Remember this, God never loses a battle. He never fails to win or gain access. He never fails to obtain what he goes after. He never drops out and he never forfeits. Remember this, he never wastes a battle. Anytime God sees a battle, he says, oh, I got this. I can use this. Oh, this trouble is about to come. Matter of fact, I already knew it was coming because I've already calculated how I'm going to make it work for their good. He don't regard it as trash to the side of refuse. Uh, he said, this is the energy that I'm going to use as a resource, as a catalyst to take you to the next place. And I say to you, beloved, when your faith is tested, remember God has brought you here to show you his glory. Remember the promise of God. And his faithfulness to his promises. Keep focused on God and he will do great, amazing and wonderful things in your life as you walk with him in victory. Be blessed and love God and practice his presence and understand and walk in his promises. Be blessed and have a great week. God bless you and go in peace.